following your intuition is brave. It's courageous. It does sometimes mean that you're going to make a decision that is going to ruffle some feathers or be questioned or look wacky or different. And that can be uncomfortable. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Empath Podcast. I had the deep pleasure of having Ava Johanna on the show today, and she is the founder and visionary behind the Academy of Breath, an international breathwork and meditation school focused on making these ancient embodiment practices household tools across the globe. Ava's mission is to bridge the gap between modern neuroscience and mysticism so that breathwork and meditation are accessible to everyone from high-level executives to stay-at-home parents. She teaches us how conscious breathing can change our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. In my conversation with Ava, we talk about breath work and how this can help us to biohack our nervous system, especially as empaths and highly sensitive individuals. We also talk about intuition and our relationship to the divine downloads we receive from our intuition and what to do with them. It is always a pleasure to have someone on the show who can nerd out on the science as much as they can dive deep into the mysticism and the spirituality. So I know you guys are going to love Ava. Let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the show, Ava. I am super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I already like I can feel it. It's going to be a good conversation. (laughs) We both brought some like excitement and some like good frequency to this call. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I am a nerd and I read this book called Breath earlier this year. So good. Okay. You've heard of it. Awesome. So regardless of whether anyone's heard of it, I read that book and was just nerding out so hardcore because I realized more so than I did initially, how much our breath affects our health, our well-being, our sleep, like so many different aspects of our life. And I'd love to hear from your perspective, like just why you are so passionate about the breath and the ways that it has impacted your life. Mm, Yeah, such a beautiful place to start. And Everyone listening needs to read that book. If you have any inclination at all to learn about breathwork, it is so fascinating. He's such a good storyteller. I recommend that book to every single person. I love it so much. So for me, my love story really started in the spiritual realm. I had gone through a yoga teacher training and had done breathwork and meditation within the teacher training and had these really profound experiences that honestly, I didn't even have the words for. It just was this, you know supernatural experience that felt like coming home to myself and was in many ways the very first time I had ever felt good in my body. And I just wanted more. And I was excited and I was lit up and I felt passionate. And for me, I am someone who dives as deep as you possibly can into the depths of the things that interest me. So that happened with breathwork and it happened with meditation. And, you know, within a few months of me first taking my first breathwork class, I enrolled in a breathwork teacher training. I enrolled in a meditation training. Um, I'm very much the type of person who likes to bridge the gap between the spiritual and the um, and the more 
modern science in the Western world. And so I was having all these really profound spiritual experiences and I wanted to know exactly what was happening so that I had the right language to be able to really talk to people about it and to be a little bit of an, an evangelist as far as getting more people to breathe with me or to meditate with me. Um, I think one of the things about this space, as it's been growing so much over the past few years, but one of the things about this space is that so many people approach it with very esoteric language. And I have the vision and the dream and the mission of getting breathwork and meditation into every single household on this planet. And so for me, my MO has always been, how can I make this something that becomes accessible to everyone from the stay-at-home mom to the corporate executive to the yogi um, that's practicing vinyasa seven times a week? And um, yeah, it was it was just such a profound spiritual experience that really supported me in like understanding who I was, not only as Ava in this human form, but on a soul level. And I just knew that after I had that experience, that it was something that I was meant to share with others. We sound very similar. <laughs> so like, I love bridging the science with the spirituality and uh, allowing that to make even more sense in my being and the way I experience things on this planet. And I love that your mission is to bring breathwork and meditation to even more people's population, just the world. It's so cool. And it, obviously we all breathe. Like, obviously we're doing it right now. And I think that that's where there can be a little bit of a disconnect when people hear the word or words breath work, because they may think, well, what does that actually look like? What does that actually feel like in your body? And how is it different from me? Maybe just taking a deep breath right here, right now. And so I'd love for you to speak to, obviously there's many styles of breath work, but what are some of your favorites or what are the ones that you really anchor into your practice the most? Mm, yes. Yeah. It's really important for everyone to know that there are so many different styles of breath work and to you know, kind of answer the question of what does it feel like in my body really depends on what breath work style you're doing. And I was having a conversation with a girlfriend the other day about breath work. And she was like, yeah, you know, like it really is medicine. And I think that we forget that when we're using the breath in these practices, we are using it as a tool to shift our nervous system in some way or form, whether that be to create a hyper arousal where we're increasing energy throughout our body um, or a more relaxation response where we're allowing the body to actually come back into homeostasis. And so it really depends on what breathwork practice you're doing. And my favorite thing about breathwork is that on a day-to-day -day basis, I can kind of look at all of these different practices that I have and ask myself, like, what do I need today? Um, this has been something that has helped me to connect to my body, to develop a deeper sense of self-trust, to follow my intuition, and to really listen to what my body is speaking to me on a day-to-day -day basis versus just having like the same mundane routine every single day. So most of the time, I am doing practices that are clearing energy, moving energy, and really bringing me back into a more relaxed and calm space. We live in such a busy, busy world. And I'm someone that does deal with anxiety and high stress. Um, most people on this planet, especially in the Western world, are dealing with anxiety and high stress, even if you wouldn't necessarily label it as that. It's just the world that we live in today. And breath has really helped me to take all of those stressors and lear learn how to not just be a passenger of my stress, but really be a pilot and master the stress so that I can go about my day performing all of the different things that I need to do and not be 
put into levels of burnout and exhaustion. So something that's incredibly simple for anybody to do is just a equal ratio breath or box breath. It's something that's practiced by Navy SEALs. There's tons and tons of research around even a five-minute practice helping you to move out of a sympathetic aroused state into a parasympathetic response, which is essentially rest and digest. It's um, the place where your digestion turns on, you sleep better, happy hormones are released. All of these amazing functions are happening in the parasympathetic state, which we can talk more about if you want. But this practice of equal ratio breath is really a way in which you can hack your nervous system to get into that parasympathetic response. And the breath itself is very simple. In and out of the nose, you'll inhale for a count of five, hold your breath at the top for a count of five, exhale for a count of five, hold at the bottom for a count of five. Do it for about five minutes about 20 run, rounds of breath altogether. Super simple. It's a great practice to do if you're feeling, again, stress in the moment or anxiety in the moment. It's a great practice to do if you struggle to quiet your mind before meditating. It's a great practice to do if you have trouble sleeping. And that's usually my go-to on a day-to-day basis that I can do at any point, whether I'm driving or in the grocery store. So that's one of my favorite practices that I tell everybody they need to do because anyone can do it and it makes such a big difference. And then for more of an advanced practice, one of my all-time like diehard legacy breathwork practices is Kapalabhati, which is translated from Sanskrit. All of the practices that I teach are, are pranayama, so they all come from India. This practice translated from Sanskrit is breath of fire or skull cleansing breath. And this breathwork practice is really used as a purification technique. So on a day-to-day basis, I can do this breathwork practice and kind of clear out any energy that's been held in my body, even if I don't necessarily know what I'm holding on to, but it just feels like you wake up and you're like, oh, I kind of feel tired or sticky or I'm remembering that conversation that I had from the other day. I'll do Kapalabhati for a couple rounds and just help to move that energy up and out of my body. Um, And that practice is a little bit more advanced, but it is a really powerful practice to just what I always say is kind of like clear out the cobwebs on a day-to-day basis so that you're starting from a really clean and clear place and can intentionally choose the energy that you create from. I love that. Most of the listeners are highly sensitive, empath, intuitive beings. And there are some styles of breath who, like you were just speaking to the nervous system, bring us into a more parasympathetic state that like rest, digest, peace, and other styles of breath that actually intentionally bring us up into the more arousal, the sympathetic stress state. The breath I practice most often is a three-part conscious connected breath Mm -hmm. that has really gained in popularity and has been really insightful for me as far as like intuitive downloads coming through and all the things. And I'd love for you to speak to the intentionality around like, why do we sometimes want to actually go up into a more aroused state in the breath and what, like, what's the purpose of that? Especially because I think the empaths and highly sensitives, P.S. I'd also love to know if there's one a specific style that you would especially recommend to empaths. But I think it can feel it's sort of this big leap into discomfort, but it's temporary discomfort, right? And I'd just love for you to speak to the benefits of that because I think oftentimes people resist doing it at all because they're like, oh, it might be a little uncomfortable. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that this is such a good conversation to have that um, my I have an advanced practitioner training inside of the Academy of Breath and we're currently in it and we were talking about why would you bring yourself into a stress response, right? Especially for somebody that deals with stress or deals with anxiety or is highly sensitive. Why would we go there? And, you know, the thing about intentionally bringing ourselves there is that we learn how to neutralize that environment. And we also learn how to be in the sensation of that environment without it having to be assigned to any experience, any person, any circumstance. And so this kind of comes back to that idea of becoming the pilot of your stress instead of the passenger. So when we are working with the nervous system, we have a zone of tolerance, um, essentially. There's a zone of tolerance that we have. And within that zone of tolerance is where we want to hang out because that's how we're able to show up to life's daily demands, to not get burnt out, to not have a uh, our nervous system shut down. But when we have certain experiences happen throughout the day. I always love that analogy of the spoons with autoimmune diseases or disorders, but I think about that with stress and anxiety and being highly sensitive as well. Like we only have so many spoons and we give them out to all the different circumstances that we have throughout our day. So thinking about it from that perspective of this zone of tolerance that we are able to kind of like stretch and expand, what the breath does is help us to expand our zone of tolerance so that When we are, let's say, as someone who's highly sensitive, going out to an event and or going out to a concert or you own your own business and you are connecting with a client and really taking on their energy, whatever it might be, when we use the breath outside of those situations to expand our zone of tolerance so we're actually bringing ourselves into that heightened state more often and like hanging out there for a bit so it starts to neutralize and like normalize, then our zone of tolerance stays expanded in those actual moments where we are met with the demand that usually would have taken some sort of energy away from us or would have triggered us or would have exhausted us. And so this is a way, if you think about it, it's like the nervous system is this nice rubber band. And when we are going through life and have these experiences, we want our rubber band to stretch as much as possible. And there's always going to be a time when it kind of like waves back in and and, and comes back to its, its happy medium. But the more that we have practices like breath work or meditation or tapping or whatever it might be, different embodiment practices that help us create safety in the body, then what happens is our that zone of tolerance just grows bigger over time so we can tolerate more. So it really is this like stress and energy and anxiety mastery that is so fascinating because it really is a way in which we're able to change our nervous system and the way that our nervous system perceives threats and stress and safety. That's so helpful. And I want to loop back to then, is there a practice that you feel like would be especially juicy and supportive to the empaths of the world, whether it's nervous system support or maybe connecting to intuition or even just like oftentimes we need like a lot of extra cleansing. Yeah, I would say Kapalabhati, honestly, because that practice is going to help clear out any energy. So it's a um, it's a shock karma, which in, translated from Sanskrit is a yogic purification technique. So doing this practice every single day, again, it's clearing out the slate for you so that you're creating and approaching each day without anyone else's energy, but just your own energy. Um, And this practice 
if you're on your your first or second day of your cycle, you don't want to do this practice. If you are pregnant, you don't want to do this practice. And so it is, I would say, more of an advanced technique. But essentially what you're doing is forcefully exhaling out of your nose. And as you're exhaling out of your nose, your belly pulls in towards your spine. If you've ever done like a Bikram yoga class, they usually do breath of fire at the end. Or if you've ever taken a Kundalini class, I do all of my practices in and out of the nose. And that's where I, how I teach my clients and my students inside of the Academy of Breath because there's tons and tons of research as to why we want to breathe in and out of our nose and not the mouth, um, which that could probably be a whole other episode. (laughs) Um, But the practice itself is going to sound like this. And every time I'm exhaling, my belly button is pulling in towards the spine. So again, if you're on your first or second day of your cycle and you usually get cramps, it's not going to feel good. Or if you've got a baby in the oven, a little bun in the oven, Mm -hmm. then you're not going to want to be making that pumping motion. But that would definitely be the practice that I would suggest to any highly sensitive um, people or empaths. And then if you are pregnant or on your first, first day of your cycle, a practice like equal ratio breathing is going to be really powerful or even um, alternate nostril breathing where you're breathing in through um, the left nostril, out through the right nostril, and through the left, out through the right. Um, that's going to work with the right hemisphere of your brain, which is the creative, intuitive part of your brain. And also it activates your parasympathetic response. You may have seen me posting about a company called Paleo Valley in my Instagram stories lately, and that is because their products are top of the line. My husband and I have been drinking the super grains on a daily basis. We literally cannot get enough. They actually taste really good on their own, which I find is hard to find in green powder products. But Paleo Valley Super Greens taste delicious. I've also been using their Neuro Effect. This is a capsule that has eight whole mushrooms. You're going to want to listen to this if you use any mushroom products. Most mushroom products on the market are not really mushrooms at all. And instead, they're just part of the mushroom, which is called mycelium, and it's grown on grain. Hello, celiac friends. Then the entire mycelium and grain combination is used in the product. So what you end up getting is actually 50% starch and not the actual full benefit of the mushrooms. So Paleo Valley's Neuro Effect has eight whole mushrooms. So we get all the benefits and over 26% beta-glucans, which are the actual medicinal elements of a mushroom. So this has been super helpful for brain and immune support and function. And then we have been traveling a ton lately. Baby girl has already been on eight different flights. We are about to move across the country. I've been talking about how we haven't been getting much sleep either. So the essential C complex has also been really integral to my wellness lineup, whether it's preventative measures or when I feel like I'm starting to get a sore throat or get sick. You can get really creative with these little capsules. You can just take them internally with your water in the morning, or you can actually create a wellness tonic by opening up the capsules, putting them into your filtered water with even a little pinch of stevia and drinking them that way. So super fun to switch up how I use them and a super integral part to my wellness routine. If you want to try any of these Paleo Valley products, paleovalley.com and enter the code empath at checkout for 15% off of your entire purchase. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com and enter the code empath, E-M-P-A-T-H for 15% off your purchase. 
So I was scrolling your Instagram earlier and you had this really beautiful post about how sometimes listening or following our intuition is not this like easy, beautiful experience. And I feel like that is a conversation we need to have and need to sort of bring to the surface. And I'd love your insight on that. This whole year has been in devotion to listening to my intuition, and it has been messy. It has not been an easy year at all, but it has continued to lead me towards feeling more and more at center and home within myself. And I think that in a lot of spiritual spaces and wellness spaces, there is this idea that when you start following your intuition, everything feels like it's flowing and like the universe just shows up with butterflies and all these synchronicities and serendipitous moments, which yes, and also part of following the intuition is this process of breaking free from a lot of the different structures and containers and the stories and ways in which we've lived our life that may not have been through our own sovereignty, but just through the agreements that we've seen modeled for us in society overall. And sometimes following your intuition is going against the grain of what society tells you because what you feel inside of you is so much more inherently true than what you're seeing outside of yourself. And so following your intuition is brave. It's courageous. It does sometimes mean that you're going to make a decision that is going to ruffle some feathers or be questioned or look wacky or different. And that can be uncomfortable because we as humans are tribal by nature. There are parts of our brain that are wired to survive and feel safe based off of how accepted we are. And so sometimes following our intuition is going against all of those things that have quote unquote created safety for us. And it can be painful to have to have those deaths and those realizations while following your intuition. But I personally believe that it's worth it because the journey and the path of being devoted to the messages that you receive inside of you are going to create a framework where you do not have to receive or need or lean on validation from the outside world in order to feel good and whole and and perfect and beautiful. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. I just feel that so deeply. And I teach or I mentor empath leaders. My belief is that the empaths and the intuitives of the world, because we feel so deeply and we're such open channels to so many things, we often receive insight and guidance, creativity and inspiration that is going to look different. That's going to look different than what other people are doing. And so that intuition that's coming through for you in your unique channel is likely, like you said, going to ruffle feathers or be different than what you see everyone else doing on social media. And so I feel like we're in this sort of unique position where it's like the empath who feels all the things and gets all the creative ideas that are a little outside the box and then coinciding with still being an empath and scrolling through social media and being the sponge who absorbs what everyone else is doing and feeling like, 
well, maybe I'm supposed to do it that way. And I think that the embodied, this new age feminine leader is really the one that you were just speaking about when we lean into our intuition and let it be messy sometimes, let it ruffle feathers and let it stand out. Let people go, ooh, that's that's spicy. That's different. So I'd also love your insight on how we start to clear some of the static, the noise, the sponginess that can happen when we're scrolling through social media and connect to the unique intelligence that is our intuition, our creativity, our ideas, and whether we do that while also using breath or maybe another way, I'd just love to hear from you. Mm, Yes. Well, um, can I swear on this or no? Oh, yes. Uncensored empath. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, How do we do that? We get the fuck off of Instagram. I mean, honestly, I'm a projector as well. So I am am taking in all that energy all the time. And, you know, the challenge that we have as leaders and as human beings right now operating in this very, very digital age is to be able to balance showing up, creating, leading, being of service, but not having to get sucked in to these spaces. And so for me, I prioritize my creativity and connecting above all before consuming. So what that looks like is meditating and breathing and journaling and getting out in nature and allowing myself to creatively express before I open anyone's stories, before I scroll, before I do anything else. And so if you follow me, usually I'm posting at like seven in the morning because I'm like, ah, all right, I've already gotten my gotten my inspiration out. I've already written for a little bit. Um, I don't give a shit about the algorithm at all. So I'm just like, I'll post at 7 a.m. because that's when that's when I'm still in my own state before I spend any time connecting with any friends or whatever it might be online. And I think that that has been the most helpful for me is just prioritizing my own inspiration before being in any spaces of influence. I think that it's it's not perfect, right? Like we don't it's it's easy for me to say, like, get off of Instagram. But I know reality is I'm still going to go on Instagram. Everyone's still going to go on Instagram or wherever wherever you like going, whether it's podcast or IG or I don't think anyone goes on Facebook very much anymore. So it's setting up personal boundaries for yourself to make sure that your creativity, your service, dropping into your heart space, allowing yourself to express comes above everything else um, as it relates to being connected digitally. So motherhood and breastfeeding have been so truly deeply emotional for me far more emotional than I would have ever realized. And my daughter is going through a progression, which is leading to a sleep regression, which means we are low energy over here. And I'm looking for anything to make my life just a little bit easier these days. So Element electrolytes have been absolutely life-saving for my supply and for my overall hydration so I can get through the days with a now five month old. Y'all, time flies. And these little ones are just such a gift. I love spending my days with her. 
My husband also loves these electrolytes. He's always asking me when we're going to get more in the mail and he uses them before his workouts. I've also started sharing them with some of my mom friends and now I'm just dealing element electrolytes down the street in our neighborhood and everyone is loving them. So if you want to give them a try, there are some ridiculously amazing flavors. I love some of the summer flavors, grapefruit and watermelon, but I love adding chocolate to smoothies and I love the traditional lineup of some of the citrus, raspberry, and orange as well. To get your free sample pack, simply go to drinkelement.com backslash empath. That's drinklmnt.com backslash empath. All you have to do is pay for shipping and your free eight pack sampler will arrive in your mail. Tag me when you receive it and let me know what your favorite flavor is. What is your relationship to your intuition and like how it's guided your life and how it's also helped you navigate these different, maybe even just seasons of our life or identities that we've worn? I remember when I first started like learning about what intuition was, I wanted so badly to be intuitive that a lot of what I was focusing on was consuming consuming different intuitives or coaches or podcasts or books that was going to teach me how to be intuitive. And none of it really helped. (laughs) Some of it like kind of like changed the way that I thought, but nothing actually created as big of an impact on being able to hear my intuition like breathwork and meditation did because I was finally doing the practice that allowed me to cancel out the outside world and be able to create an intimacy with my inner world. And the way that I see it is that that voice inside of us, whether you call it intuition or higher self, is connecting us to this divine intelligence that is what I believe to be God. And the more that we communicate with and listen and sit in dialogue with that voice and really honor what it what it says and how it, how it shows up the stronger that it gets as simple as that sounds you know it's like in the same way that we would nurture a relationship with another human the more that we nurture the relationship with the intuition the more that we create this sense of security with it right where we trust it more we have confidence in it we know the moment that it's speaking to us that it's not fear it's not ego but it is in fact this loving voice and this loving intelligence guiding us again it doesn't mean that it's always easy to follow that voice there have been many times even in this past year where my intuition has spoken very loud and clear to me and i've been like nah that seems a little too hard. I'm going to go with the easy route. I'm pretty comfortable doing what I'm doing right now. And, um, you know, in those moments, it's like, okay, well, that's free will. That's your choice. And every time that I ignore my intuition, I'm always guided back to that one place that I was meant to turn left where I turned right. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I feel like we always have this choice of, you know, divine will, free will to either listen to those messages that are coming through or on the flip side, deny or ignore or numb out. Uh, I think for a lot of the deep feelers of the world, sometimes that becomes the 
coping mechanism of feeling so much is we just start to numb out and push away. And breath and meditation, I think, really invite us back into presence, into feeling, uh, but in a deeply held and supportive way. How has breath helped you overcome some of those moments in your life where maybe it would have been easier to numb out? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I have been actually having this conversation quite a bit lately because I've been reflecting a lot. I've kind of gone through a little bit of a dark night of the soul over this past year, which um, I'm so grateful for coming out on the other side. <laughs> now um, you can say that, right? Yeah, it's like, I'm okay. like, oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> um, but I was kind of reflecting on the last time that I was really like here in this space and how the impulse was to drink. The impulse was to, you know, go meet somebody and um, numb out through sex or with with friends or with drugs and numbing out was the easier choice. And for me, I'm so grateful that I have practices like breathwork and meditation because while it allows you to feel like everything that comes up, you know, there's times, even the other day I was sitting and I did some Kapal Bhati and then I just started wailing. Like I just felt like my heart cracking open and I was like, holy shit, this is a move. Even though these practices do bring presence for you to feel deeply, what I've found is that it also creates enough spaciousness where you're able to separate yourself from the feeling or the belief or the thought enough to recognize that it's not you, you know? And I think with practice and consistency, it gets easier and easier and easier to have that, not necessarily dissociation, but that like observer's effect of, oh, okay, well, if I'm right here witnessing this feeling or this thought, then I can't be it. Then it's just something that's fleeting and passing. And I, I think that that really helps to not bypass any of the emotions or the feelings because you're still there sitting with it and feeling it and and showing yourself that you're worthy of being sat with as well, that you don't need to be emotionally unavailable to yourself, but you can really show up for yourself and hold that space. But at the same time, recognizing that it's impermanent. Oh, that experience of impermanence, I feel like once we see the evidence of it, it becomes easier to then trust that impermanence is mm -hmm. there. And again, I feel like the breath and the meditation invite us into our body, into back home to ourselves in a way that um, some other modalities don't touch. So you also mentioned that you have an upcoming experience where you're going to be looking at these different identities that we've put on or we've tried on for size. And you also mentioned your dark night of the soul, which you're not alone in. And I think so many of us have also experienced one or maybe multiple dark nights of the soul. And I feel like that is especially a season, a phase of life where a lot of these old identities can come up and you can really hold up the mirror to yourself and go, who am I? And is that really me? Or is this really me? And a lot of questioning can be on the table. So I'd love to hear more about your journey through different identities and also how you've been able to reconcile some of that and then what you have coming up on the table. 
Mm, such a beautiful question. Yeah. Whenever I ask myself, who am I? I always, I, it has to be a little comical because I always think about that scene from Zoolander where Ben Stiller looks into like the puddle after being with his family <laughs> in the mines and he's like, who am I? Um, so I always bring myself back to that. I'm like, okay, this is, we're just being silly. We can't in these, take like, ourselves struggles. too seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, you know, I think that especially for people that are, empaths or highly sensitive, it can be really easy to also be very cerebral and get up in our heads and spiral when we're already facing struggles or going through some sort of suffering around our own identities or how our world looks. And I think the thing that has really helped me to stay rooted throughout all of it is recognizing that Every single iteration of my own identity and my human experience is always positioning me for what's coming up next. And that through these processes, often there are going to be parts of my identity that bubble up to the surface that are old, that can't join me on the path that I'm walking any longer because they're not meant to, whether it be that they served a certain purpose for a certain period of time, or it's something that like I actually can't carry with me any longer, like a doubt or a fear or a story. And so what I find is in that dark night of the soul is that all that stuff comes up to the surface, not because it's coming up to knock you down, not because it's coming up to, um, pull you back into an old way of living, but actually coming up so that you have this opportunity to disrupt the pattern, to disrupt the identity, to disrupt the story. And so my whole summer really has been in a lot of isolation and introspection to hold space for those pieces to come up and to not have to rush through, but actually start to learn how to be comfortable in chaos. Um, I remember maybe I shouldn't have even said this prayer at the beginning of the year. Gosh, words, our words are so powerful. We are like literally casting spells with our words. Um, I've been really focusing on that lately. But at the beginning of the year, I said, show me how I can be a vessel for ease and grace through seasons of chaos so I can teach others how to do the same. Oh, I have like chills just thinking about that. I forgot that I said that. But me sharing that positioned me to learn how to do that through seasons of chaos, through seasons of darkness, through seasons where I don't know where I'm coming, going, going next, because ultimately change and chaotic times and struggling and suffering, that's all part of the human experience. It's all inevitable. And so much of what makes it harder is that we get surprised that we're going through those spaces. And so I think that navigating it is learning how to not force ourselves to have to be on the other side to experience happiness or to experience calmness or to experience love or peace or joy. And so I think that if anyone is navigating your dark night of the soul right now or picking up these identities and wondering which to take with you and which to let go of and really not sure where you're stepping forward, understand that one, there's no rush in having to make a decision and that the times in which we are constantly moving and constantly evolving are kind of the only constant in our life. And so how can you learn to experience the joy and the pleasure and the love that you're placing in the destination right here and right now? Like you said, change is inevitable and it can be so much more painful to try and 
latch on to this old identity, this old version of yourself in fear of who you are to become or the actual journey of change into somebody different because we can get really comfortable with how people see us, what people think of us, the way we present ourselves to the world. And so there's definitely some ego death and that dark night of the soul that can feel, I think, all consuming for a time, but it's change is inevitable. It's not going to be forever as you go through the actual evolution into that next and then it's going to happen again and we're going to evolve into the next and with my own process and my own dark nights of the soul and own own just identity shifting and changing and evolution I've tried to be really intentional at least in the last like six or seven years of my life as I become more self-aware of what aspects of those identities or which archetypal energies I am actually bringing with me and which ones get to die, like which ones get to dissolve, which ones probably did serve me or protect me or keep me safe at some point in my life. They had purpose. They taught me something. And I have the free will, divine will to let them stay there as I evolve into the next version of me. Do you feel like there's any sort of whether it's an archetype or name that you've given to any of these identities that has been especially like a big teacher for you or the one that you're just like in relationship with right now? (laughs) You know, I don't know if there, if I've ever thought about that. I think that the, the woman that I am always striving to allow into my day and into my experience is what I would call my radiant and luminous self. Mm. And she shows up so much in like my business and in my career. And recently I have been working with her showing up in like all aspects of my life, especially as I reimagine what it means to be a leader and how I desire to lead in my life and in my business. So she's who I work with the most. And, you know, I, I am a Scorpio, so I definitely have a lot of like that Phoenix rebirth and death energy and archetypal energy to me. Lots of like Kali, god, like goddess of destruction vibes. And so I welcome it all. I think that's what's so beautiful about being a soul in a human body is that like we literally get to play however we desire to play. Like you have the ability to recreate yourself at any given point. I woke up this morning and I was like, ooh, there is a different energy here today than there was yesterday. And I just think that it's so powerful that we we can really like, again, just like you, I love just like the idea of breaking free. It's like breaking free of like who we were, who others thought that we were, who we, who we thought we had to be and choose every single day, every single moment. Like how do I want to create life and expression from this moment that's going to serve me and is going to be the highest good of the people around me. And just as an expression of love, right? There's such a energy of intentionality into what you just described. And I just think that's so beautiful. And I just want to say you are a radiant, luminous woman. (laughs) And I also want to thank you for spending time here today and sharing your heart with us. Where can people get to know you better or connect with you? 
Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. My Instagram is at Ava Johanna, A-V-A-J-O-H-A-N-N-A. My website is avajohanna.com. Or if you're interested in learning more about breathwork um, and meditation, I run the Academy of Breath, which is a certification program teaching both breathwork and meditation. Um, And I've been throwing around this term breaking free quite a bit. Um, I actually have a month long of what I'm calling a ceremony of the soul that is going to be an experience where we're going to be coming together as a community to not only connect with each other, but to learn how to deepen our devotion to self-expression and really unraveling the identities that we have potentially stacked up over time to mask our truest, most divine self. So I'm really, really excited for that. It's starting November 21st, and it just really feels like the most intentional offering that I can take from my own experiences this year of what I've learned navigating all of these different pieces around death and rebirth birth and identity and leadership and devotion in life. Mm. I love how you call it a ceremony of the soul. And I feel like it is so true that our personal journey then is like the teacher that happens right before the offering, the container we invite people into. (laughs) You got to be careful about what you're going to (laughs) teach. Well, like you said, your intention for the beginning of this year, and then that's the ride that you went on. And now you get to hold others as they experience that as well. So, so frigging beautiful. Thank you so much again for being on today. Yes, I'm so happy that I got to join you. 